This is Getting to Know Your Bible, a program dedicated to the proclaiming of the good news of Jesus Christ. Here's Billy Lambert. It is a pleasure to be with you today on Getting to Know Your Bible. We appreciate those of you that are watching today, and we no doubt have those that are watching today for the very first time. We thank you for tuning in. And we appreciate those who watch every time we come on the air. You are such an encouragement to us. Thank you. Now today we want to discuss this subject. Be committed to a plan. Be committed to a plan. I hope that you'll stay tuned. Now, since we have those watching today for the very first time, we'd like to make mention of the free Bible correspondence course that we make available. And I might emphasize that this course is free. In order that those that are watching today for the first time might know more about the course and that you might know how to receive the course, let's pause for just a moment. To help you in your study of the Bible, we want to send you this Bible Correspondence Course. This course is non-denominational. It's based on the Bible. It's conducted by mail. And it's free. To receive this course, write to Getting to Know Your Bible, Post Office Box 314, Somerdale, Alabama, 36580. Or call toll-free 1-877-711-5211. I'm reading now from Jeremiah chapter 29, and I'll be reading from verse 11 through the 14th verse. For I know the thoughts that I think toward you, says the Lord, thoughts of peace and not of evil, to give you a future and a hope. Then you will call upon me and go and pray to me, and I will listen to you. And you will seek me and find me, when you search for me with all your heart, I, I will be found by you, says the Lord, and I will bring you back from your captivity. I will gather you from all the nations and from all the places where I have driven you, says the Lord, and I will bring you to the place from which, from which I cause you to be carried away captive. If we look at these passages, contextually, he's talking about a plan. As a matter of fact, if you were to read these passages from the New American Standard Translation, it, it doesn't say, I know the thoughts that I have, think towards you. It says, I know the plans that I have for, for you. But, but God's plan or God's thoughts were referred to the fact that his people were going to go into captivity. But God had a plan to bring them back home one day. That, that's what he's talking about in verses 12 and following. And then you'll call on me and go and pray to me and I will listen. And you'll search for me with all of your heart and I will be found by you. They're going to be in captivity and they'll return their hearts and their minds back to God. And then God's promise is that I'll bring you back from your captivity. I will bring you back 
from the place from which I caused you to be carried away captive. In other words, you'll go into captivity, but I have a plan. And my plan is one day to bring you home. You know, from the very beginning of time, God had a plan. A plan not to bring people out of a captivity like that, that is, in a foreign land, but to bring men out of the captivity that they find themselves in because of sin. God had a plan. And this plan began to unfold down through the ages. As a matter of fact, when you begin to read the Old Testament, you come across a passage like Genesis chapter 3 and verse 15. This is part of the plan. I'll put enmity between you and the woman, between your seed and her seed. It shall bruise thy head and you will bruise his heel. In other words, you're going to deal a mortal blow to Satan. And that will be done by the seed of the woman. Genesis 3.15 is an early promise of the Redeemer coming into the world to deal with sin. That is God's official announcement of his declaration of war on Satan and on sin. It was a promise was made to Abraham in Genesis chapter 12 as well as some other passages in Genesis 22, for example, that God was going to bless all nations through his seed. And in Galatians, the third chapter in verse 16, we learn that that seed that he had reference to was Christ because Christ had Abraham as an ancestor. And so Jesus Christ would come through the loins of Abraham. Throughout the Old Testament, it was predicted that Jesus would come into the world through the seed of the woman. As a matter of fact, in the seventh chapter of Isaiah and in the 14th verse, the Bible says that a virgin shall conceive and bear a son, and thou shalt call his name Emmanuel. That word Emmanuel means God is with us. In Isaiah chapter 9 and verse 6, unto us a child is born. Unto us a son is given. There the sex of the, son, of the child that is to be born is, is predicted. It would be a man-child. And the government shall be upon his shoulders. And his name shall be called Wonderful, Counselor, Mighty, Mighty God, Everlasting Father, Prince of Peace. There's no one to whom those verses could refer other than the Lord Jesus Christ. Jesus Christ was a part of the plan of God for the redemption of the whole world. The message of Jesus runs like a scarlet cord throughout the entirety of the Old Testament. When you come to the 53rd chapter of Isaiah, Isaiah, we have Isaiah writing and saying that he was wounded for our transgressions. He was bruised for our iniquities. And when Jesus went to the cross of Calvary, Jesus Christ was wounded. He was bruised. He was crucified. He died for you, and he died for me. All of this 
was a part of God's plan. In Galatians, the fourth chapter and verse four, Paul said, And when the fullness of the time was come, God sent forth his Son, made of a woman, made under the law to redeem them that were under the law, that we might receive the adoption of sons. God sent his Son. Well, why did he send him? According to 1 John chapter 4 and verse 14, he sent him to be the Savior of the world. And I might point out that Jesus is the Savior of the world. He is not one Savior of many saviors. He is the Savior of the world. Listen to Acts chapter 4 and verse 12. Neither is there salvation and any other. But there is no other name under heaven given among men whereby you must be saved. Salvation is only by the Lord Jesus Christ. So he sent him to be the Savior of mankind. And he came into the world in human form. And he died upon the cross. He was buried and he arose from the dead by the power of his Father. In 1 Corinthians chapter 15, Paul wrote, Moreover, brethren, I declare unto you the gospel, which also you have received, and wherein you stand, and by which you are saved. If you keep in memory what I preached unto you, unless you believed in vain. For I delivered unto you first of all that which also I received, how that Christ died for our sins according to the Scripture, that he was buried, and that he arose again the third day according to the Scripture. Paul said, I preached the gospel to you. You were saved by the gospel. And I preached to you about the death, the burial, and the resurrection of the Lord Jesus Christ. That death, that burial, that resurrection from the dead was a part of the plan of God for the redemption of man. Jesus, by the grace of God, tasted of death for every man. And God Almighty, in His infinite wisdom, has given a plan whereby we can be saved. You can call it God's scheme of redemption, you can call it God's plan of salvation. I don't know what you want to call it. But whatever it is you call it, we must obey it. And God has a plan for you. Be committed to a plan. Well, what is the plan? We must be converted to the one who died for us. We must be converted to the one who was buried for us. We must be converted to the one who was raised from the dead on our behalf. In other words, be converted to Jesus Christ. That is God's plan to save the world. Conversion to Jesus Christ. Listen to these passages of Scripture. First of all, in Matthew chapter 13 and verse 15, Jesus said, for this people's heart is wax gross, and their ears are dull of hearing, and their eyes they have closed, lest at any time they should see with their eyes and hear with their ears and should understand with their heart and should be converted, and I should heal them. Then in Matthew chapter 18 and verse 3, 
Jesus said, except you be converted and become as little children, you cannot enter into the kingdom of heaven. Then in Acts the third chapter in verse 19, repent and be converted that your sins be blotted out when the times of refreshing shall come from the presence of the Lord. Now there are three things we learn from those three passages of Scripture. We must be converted to Christ that we might be spiritually healed. Second, we must be converted to enter into the kingdom. Third, we must be converted that our sins might be blotted out. That's the plan. Be converted to Christ. Be committed to that plan. Now, what is involved in our being converted to Christ? Well, first of all, let us note that there is a change that takes place in our intellect. You see, the, the plan that God has appeals to our intellect. And there must be a change in our intellect. And God wants to reason with us. And he wants to reason with our intellectual powers. Well, what change is there in our intellect? Well, there is to be a change from a state of unbelief to a state of belief. In other words, you are no longer a, an unbeliever if you converted to Christ. Now you're a believer. Well, could I ask a question? How do you suppose that that change takes place? Well, someone says, well, Brother Lambert, I think that that change takes place in a miraculous way. I think, Brother Lambert, a man could be driving down the road one day and all of a sudden he just is overcome with some weird, strange uh, a feeling something that's, that he can't explain to anyone else. And surely that's a sign that there's been a change in his mind. And now he's a believer. Well, that sounds good. But, but there's, just a there's some difficulty with that. And the difficulty is that that uh, individual, according to the Bible must be taught in order that change might take place. In John the 6th chapter and verse 45, for example, Jesus Christ is talking about how people come to him. And in verse number 44 and 45, Jesus is explaining that. He says, No one can come to me unless the Father who sent me draws him. So God is doing, doing the drawing. And I will raise him up at the last day. Now look at verse 45. It is written in the prophets, and they shall all be taught by God. Therefore, here's the conclusion, everyone who has heard and learned from the Father comes to me. Who is it that comes to Jesus Christ? According to those verses, those who come to Jesus Christ 
are those who have heard and those who have learned from the Father. And he said this is something that's even written in the prophets. Well, what was written in the prophets? They shall all be taught by God. You see, men must be taught in order that there might be that change of intellect from a state of unbelief to a state of belief. Let me, let me call your attention to a verse in Romans, the 10th chapter, in verse 17. A verse that most of you likely know, or have heard it at least. So then faith comes by hearing. Faith comes by hearing. Hearing comes by the Word of God. You see, if we have faith, it is because we have gone to the source of faith. Well, what is the source of faith? Well, according to the book that I hold in my hand, it's God's Word. Someone says, well, Brother Lambert, I've heard men say that, that, that we're converted and we get faith by some direct operation or some direct working of the Holy Spirit on our life. Well, I'm aware that there are those that, that adhere to that concept. But, but then I want to know, what does the Bible say about that? Are we converted through some direct operation, through some direct contact that the Spirit has on me, separate and apart without the Bible being involved? Well, let me just read the Bible and see what the Bible says. Listen to 1 Peter chapter 1, verse 23. Being born again, not of corruptible seed, but incorruptible, by the word of God that liveth and abideth forever. If men are born again, it will be because they have been taught the Bible. Over in 1 Corinthians, the fourth chapter, and in verse number 15, Paul said, For though you ha might have 10,000 instructors in Christ, yet you do not have many fathers. For in Christ Jesus I have begotten you. Well, how did you do that, Paul? By the gospel. If men are begotten, if men are born again, it will be because of the word of the Lord. Now turn with me to James, the first chapter. Now let's look at verse number 18. Of his own will, he brought us forth by the word of truth, that we should be a kind of first fruits of his creatures. And while we're in James chapter 1, look in verse 21. Therefore lay aside all filthiness and overflow of wickedness and receive with meekness the implanted word which is able to save your soul. Then listen to the writer of the Hebrew letter in chapter 4 and in verse number 12. 
For the word of God is quick or living and powerful and sharper than any two-edged sword, piercing even to the division of soul and spirit and of joints and marrow and is a discerner of the thoughts and intents of the heart. Where is the power in converting men? Well, the truth of the matter is the power is in the Word of God that's been given by the inspiration of the Holy Spirit. Now, let me read just one other verse to you. And this one is from Romans, the first chapter, and verse 16. For I am not ashamed of the gospel of Christ. For it is the power of God unto salvation to everyone that believeth, to the Jew first, and also to the Greek. So Paul said he was not ashamed of the gospel. He was not ashamed of the message of Christ because that was the power of God to save the world. No, no men are not converted to Christ through some direct operation of the Holy Spirit. The Holy Spirit uses an instrument in conversion. And the instrument that the Holy Spirit uses in conversion is the Bible. We must be taught the Bible. And when that is planted in the heart of a good and honest person, it produces faith in the heart. Suppose a man should go out into the woods and he wants to cut down a tree. Let's just suppose this man has a fireplace and he needs some wood to put in his fireplace. So he has a chainsaw. And he goes out into the woods near his house and he finds a tree that he thinks that he would like to cut down and use for that fuel. And so he cuts it down. Now let me ask you a question. What cut down the tree? Well, someone says, well, the man cut down the tree. Well, someone else says, no, it was the chainsaw that cut down the tree. Well, could I suggest to you that the man without the chainsaw could not have cut down the tree? And I'd further suggest the chainsaw without the man could not have cut down the tree. You see, the man had to use an instrument in cutting down the tree, and the instrument was the chainsaw. The Holy Spirit does not work directly on the sinner's heart, separate and apart from the Bible, but rather the Holy Spirit uses an instrument, and that instrument is the Word of God. And so conversion to Christ involves that change of our intellect, a change in our thinking from unbelief to becoming a believer. Now, a second change that takes place involves a change in our lifestyle. And, of course, that involves our need to repent of our sins. Listen to Acts 3.19. Repent and be converted. There can be no conversion to Christ unless we repent of our sins. And repentance is not an optional matter. Jesus said in Luke 13, in verse 3, as well as verse 5, that it's repent or it's perish. And, and the Bible says the times of this ignorance God winked at. But, but now commandeth all men everywhere 
to repent. Well, what does that mean? Repentance is simply a change of mind for the better. If I'm going in the wrong direction, doing the wrong things, if I repent, I change direction, I make up my mind to change direction, go in the right way. So when we repent, we give up doing those things that are a violation of the law of God. But yet there is a third change that is involved in being converted to Christ. That is a change of state from being outside Christ to being in Christ. When a man is out of Christ, according to Ephesians chapter 2 and verse 12, he's without God, without hope as well as being without Christ. But that's not necessary because a man can be in Christ where he has access to the spiritual blessings that only God can provide for those that are his. Blessed be the God and Father of our Lord Jesus Christ, who has blessed us with all spiritual blessings in heavenly places in Christ. So spiritual blessings are in Christ. And then when we turn to the sixth chapter of Romans, we learn how an individual gets into the Lord Jesus Christ. Listen to the apostle beginning in verse number one. What shall we say? Shall we continue in sin that grace may abound? Certainly not. How shall we who died to sin live any longer in it? Or do you not know that as many of us as were baptized into Christ Jesus were baptized into his death? Did you notice that? Baptized into Christ. Now you're in Christ, not out of Christ. And you're baptized into his death. He shed his blood in dying, did he not? Therefore we were buried with him through baptism into death. That just as Jesus was raised from the dead by the glory of the Father, even so we also should walk in newness of life. We are converted to Jesus Christ by having a change of intellect. That is, by believing. By having a change of lifestyle. That is, by repenting of our sins. And that we are also converted to Christ by having a change of state That is, by being baptized for the remission of our sins, or baptized into Jesus Christ. May I encourage you to be committed to God's plan, to God's way for your salvation? Are you converted to Christ? Would you not think on these things? I'm speaking to someone right now who's been thinking about their baptism And may I, in the closing moments, give you a very personal invitation to visit the Church of Christ in your community. And why not tell them you want to obey the Lord in baptism? I want to thank you for watching today. And until we meet again, may the Lord bless you and keep you, is my prayer. Getting to Know Your Bible has been presented by Churches of Christ. If you have a question about the church, or if you would like the location of a Church of Christ near you, or to receive the free Bible course, write to Getting to Know Your Bible, Post Office Box 314, Somerdale, Alabama, 
3-6-5-8-0. Or call 1-877-711-5214. Join us next time for Getting to Know Your Bibles.